eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. And the kick is good. We'll take you to places most fans never go. We'll watch from 60. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room. Following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the 2022 season. That is going to be a touchdown. Taysom Hill. Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. Brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby. Hey, guess what? What? The Saints won. No way. All right, Saints fans, it's Inside Black and Gold time. Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. There must and be. And Jeff, we have a winning podcast edition to post today. Thank the good Lord. I was so tired of talking about bad football. And we finally, we, so got, we didn't just, that's just a win. Right. A a shutout, baby. Dominated. Shutout. Beautiful. This is the defense that we were supposed to get all along. And yes. it's just so nice. I, like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Oh, thank you. Even the even offensively too, uh, a nice combination of the run pass, no turnovers. Kamara limited, had three touchdowns, right? Like l- limited penalties. I mean, it yeah. was all really good stuff all around. Well, like twenty four points, like could have been easily, like should have been thirty. Like right. they missed a field goal and they just they bypassed the field goal late in the game. Like that's thirty. Your offense put up thirty points, and you essentially just didn't take the final six because <laughs> you, you didn't have to, but yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to, this first segment is going to be kind of the quick reaction 
to the game itself, which we're going to have a lot of stats. We're going to have some sound from the locker room and from the podium. And then second segment, we're going to get into studs and duds. There aren't too many duds, but we, we came up with two that we're going to get into. And then the final segment, as we usually do on these post-game pods, is going to be a viewer mailbag. So if you have questions, comments, pictures of your cat, whatever, we'll get to them in the final segment. But, you know, first things first, Steve, you know, so you were down on the sideline. It strikes me as that this must have been a fun game to be on the sideline for because it's just like when everything's going right, the vibes are just fun. Yeah, and I I mentioned uh, during the broadcast, it was, you know, a lot of smiles and there was even a smiling Michael Thomas on the sideline. I have not seen. uh, I didn't realize he was down there. Yeah, so that that was pretty big seeing Mike T down there and it just hopefully another sign that he really is truly close to coming back. But the whole vibe of the team, I feel like they really, everybody took Kamara's words to heart. Even, you know, Demario Davis spoke to us on Monday about, you know, things being, you got to be the bright spot in dark times kind of thing. And you really saw him even talking to the young corners like Elante Taylor, uh, Paulson Adebo, not just even the linebacking group, uh, just really focused on telling guys to keep going after it kind of stuff. And the whole unit played great. Like I said, the, the vibe was a lot looser, a lot happier. It was just an all-around really good team win where, you know, you had the the offense performing in the run-pass game, defense shutting down a, a, an offense, a, a Raiders offense that, man, I, I thought that Devontae Adams was going to go crazy on this team, and that was not the case. And Josh Jacobs didn't do anything either. If you're not prepared when the rain comes, it's too late. And it's certain people that's built for moments like this. And there's certain people that get excited for moments like this. Because when it's dark outside, somebody has to be the hope to remind people that the sun gonna come back out. Sun will come out. (laughs) There it is, the sun will come out tomorrow. But no, yeah, I mean, it did really feel like this was a different team. Totally. They played with energy from the jump. You know, they, they played they played clean, right? They didn't make stupid mistakes. They didn't turn the ball over. They forced a turnover. They got to the quarterback. Peyton Turner was even there getting in on the party. I thought he looked good. Not you know, one, like his, two. That first one, though, that first sack where he just he got shot out of a cannon, made one quick move inside, and then just blew up Derek Carr. Like, that's the first-round pick, right? That's That's the guy who you saw out of Houston, you were like, okay, we want that guy, right? It's just like everything went right. And it's like, this isn't going to be how it is every week, but like you needed to see it happen to like believe. And I think this team is starting to believe that it's good again. Like there is a scenario where we look back at this week down the road and you're like that moment where Alvin Kamara stood up in the locker room and said, you motherfuckers, <laughs> let's play winning football. Cause I'm, I'm tired of losing. Shit, right. And everyone was like, you know what? I'm tired of losing too. Thank you. And, and it's like, cause it looked like a different team. It really did. And we can talk all we want about that, that how the Raiders aren't that good and they aren't fine. But this offense was a top five offense in the NFL. Devontae Adams is a top five receiver in the NFL. Josh Jacobs was a top five running back in the NFL. And they all got completely shut down today by a defense that did not have its best defensive back. 
there are moments throughout a season where you're like, okay, this is different. This is a turning point. This is something that you can build on. And that's what the saints had today. And I'm just glad it happened. Like, like I've been getting so exhausted watching this team play because you know, they're better than they're, than they're, than they are showing, right? Like we've seen Pete Werner. He's been excellent. You know, we've seen flashes, you know, fits and starts where this team played above their weight, but like at the end of the day, they just collapsed and it was just really great to see them just finally put it all together for perspective. At one point in the game, I was like, Oh, I wonder when the last time the Saints had a shutout was stupidly thinking like, Oh, must, maybe it was a while ago. And then I'm like, Oh wait, it was week 15 of last season when they, uh, the nine Oh against the bucks. I did wonder, okay, so when's the last time they had shutouts in back to back seasons? And the Saints actually provided that information. It's the first time since 1991 and 1992. Wow. A long time. That's three decades, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since the Saints team has had shutouts in back-to-back seasons. And, like, that's kind of a random statistic, but, like, I think it does kind of illustrate, you know, shutouts are rare. Tyron Matthew had never been par- participated in a shutout before. He's been on some very good defenses. It's never happened. And so, like, like the talent level that is required on a defense to execute a shutout. And, you know, we can talk about it. Like the, the Raiders, I, I had a, I had a suspicion they might ruin it. Like the bucks did two years ago, but the, just a BS field goal when you're down 24, like yeah. it felt <laughs> like it was coming. They chose not to. And Pete Werner, you know, that he had that last tackle. I was getting ready to have to change all my headlines and tweets and stuff. They, they didn't get in there, but like that's, that is a, you need to be a talented defensive group to pull off a shutout. And it's just like further emphasizes just how below expectations this team had been performing to this point. Yeah. And the the thing we talked about before getting on, and obviously we'll mention during the podcast here is the fact that the Raiders offense didn't even get to cross the 50 yard line with Derek Carr as their quarterback. They didn't do it till late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Derek Carr never got past midfield in this game. Derek Carr does not know. What the weather was like on the Saints <laughs> side of the field in the Superdome. Doesn't know. The only time they got past midfield was after they put Jarrett Stidham in the game. And the Saints were like, wow, they're still they're still throwing. Oh no. And they had to kind of get there. They converted two fourth downs. Right. <laughs> um, and there should have been a pick six. Yeah. I mean, the the Saints only allowed, let's see, I had it here, 183 yards of offense. Yeah. I'm um, pretty sure like 60 something of that came on that final drive. Like, <laughs> and you're probably not even kidding, right? No, no, no. That's, that's, that's accurate. Like they had, a, I think they had like 116 yards total as an offense going into that final drive. And for perspective, this Saints team had been averaging 124 yards rushing allowed per game going into this game. <laughs> that's how that's how much they had gotten blown up. So, you know, it, like we can we can just keep going into the numbers, but like from a pass rush perspective, from a from a from a pass coverage perspective, from just tackling perspective, everything went yeah. well today that did not go well for the first seven weeks of the season. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, we can go all the numbers. Josh Jacobs was averaging 147 yards rushing the last three games before today. And just unreal how they were able to close the gaps and, you know, bring him to the ground. And there weren't any, he didn't have any really explosive runs today. 
feel like the swagger is back or at least on its way back after a week. Yeah, I think I think it's it's on its way back. You know, we had a we had a nice performance right there, but you know, swag ain't shit if it's not consistent. So, you know, you could do it one time, but you got to be able to string it together. So, I mean, we're looking for the same type of preparation this week. I know I am. I'm ready. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready for the next. I ain't even trying to really celebrate this one. I mean, I expect to win every week. So, it's not I'm not like hip hip parade right now. I'm like, okay, cool. We, we put it together. Let's see if we can do it again. Like, I, I'm I'm calling for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's gonna. Be, I'm gonna have the same messages I did last week. You know, um, just because we had a nice game this week, no mean that it's a fall off or, or taper down. Like we we got to do the same thing next week and the next week and the next week. Put it together. That's what. That's really what swag is. Swag is consistency. So one note there, if you if you heard that like weird noise midway through that quote, it's because Brett Martell from the Associated Press had the mic and he dropped it, <laughs> <laughs> just dropped it. And so like you can hear it, like it's it's making noise stick through the speakers. So <laughs> midway through Alvin's answer, just boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and Alvin didn't even break stride. That's how much in the zone he was for that game. He was just like, all right, then he kept going. But yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, it's like, yes, like this was a great game. And you played well in all every phase of this game. But, you know, it's like this doesn't matter unless you can repeat it. If this is not a repeatable thing, then we're going to be back right where we were two or three weeks ago. Right. You need to be able to go out and do this week in, week out. Yeah. And it's so been needed, obviously, for the season and just even at home. We, we've talked about the struggles in the Superdome that have been there of late. And it was just uh, so relieving for the fans especially the night, you know, on Halloween Eve to be in that Superdome, getting all loud and proud. The atmosphere continues to be really impressive to me. I don't know, for for a team that's been so subpar, the turnout with this crowd uh, I thought would be a lot less, uh, honestly. And it might be a little stragglers, a little late getting in, but once it's time for kickoff, that place is booming. Yeah, it was loud. There were a lot of empty seats. I will say from because I and I could see them from the press box better than okay. you probably could from the field level. Yeah, the lower um, bowl definitely looked jammed. The lower bowl is always full. To me, the lower bowl isn't where you can like the lower bowl is going to be full. It's usually the upper deck, especially in the end zones where you can see kind of the real whether whether it's a great turnout or not, because those are the seats that won't get filled when you know because those aren't the good seats right Right. those are the those are the 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 cheap seats that you really have to want to be there to sit in (laughs) because there you don't get a better you don't even get a better shot than you would on a television (laughs) but there was a good number of empty seats for that game and i don't and i'm not then that's not being me me being critical this is a bad football team or this had been a bad football team and you are playing the raiders a two and four team like not exactly appointment viewing for this matchup. So I'm not, I'm not being critical of folks not showing up for a noon start on Halloween weekend, right? A lot of people probably out late on Saturday night. And so like, I get it, but yeah, it's, I think like, I don't blame fans for not being ravenous to show up for, to watch a bad team play. If you play like this, those seats will be filled. And if, if they're not, if you have a team playing like this, then it is on the fans. But at this point, I'm not mad about it. No, and I love the fact uh, Sin mentioning over there, is it true Sean Payton paid a visit to the Saints on Friday? And yes, indeed, he's dro- he dropped by the facility, so maybe a little uh, a little SP uh, motivational speech helped the squad as well. Well, people keep asking this, and one, no, it is not true he went to the Saints facility on Friday. He was there on Thursday. People <laughs> think it was Friday because Andrew from the – 
happy hour podcast tweeted it on Friday as if it was like this major news. Literally everyone who covers the team was aware he was there on Friday, on Thursday. We didn't tweet it because we knew people would overreact. He's literally just visiting people. <laughs> he was in town. I, I, I said it on this podcast, whatever the one we recorded Thursday for Friday. Yeah. So like, Oh, you were, you were, you were, you weren't there for that. I think you were sick. Yeah. Um, I had my surgery. That's right. Yeah, you were still you were still like loopy from that. But yeah, I said it on this podcast on on Thursday when we were recording. Sean Payne was there today. He was there when I walked in. He was on the phone like calling a cab. But yeah, but, but for perspective, we asked Pete Carmichael about Sean Payton being there, and he didn't even know he was there. Huh. <laughs> so like, wow. In case you were wondering like whether he was in there or like giving people advice, like Pete Carmichael, who he's known for like two decades, didn't even like hadn't didn't even see him. Yeah, I definitely so, figured Sean would have gave some kind of rah-rah speech. I mean, no, he was just there. Like, he was in town. It would be weird if he was in town and didn't go to the facility to see, like, all of his acquaintances. <laughs> but, yeah, anyway, like, yeah, he was there. We don't need to talk about it. Like, it was not really a thing. Yeah, but, I mean, I think there are conversations to be had. So, I've said a few times that based on what happened in this game, there was going to be a chance that the Saints – became sellers if this game didn't go the way it did and instead it went complete opposite where the Raiders came in and completely dominated and the Saints just looked rudderless and you were like wow two and six with no positive momentum it's like you have to consider right sending some pieces out in this case I think you have firmly established yourself in let's see what happens territory I don't think you're going to be a buyer but you are very much comfortable with your positioning. You would have been happier had the Panthers beaten the Falcons because then you would have been tied for first. But apparently the, the Panthers kicker didn't get the memo. I think maybe he has an Android phone and he's not in the group text where everyone was like, oh, guys, by the way, we're not tanking. Have you seen the NFC South standings? Because like we're right in it. So we're not going to be tanking. But, but the kicker has an Android and he, he's not on that group text because as everyone knows, when you have an Android and everyone has iPhones, it turns it from a blue bubble to a green bubble and no one likes the green bubble. So you just leave that person out. Steve knows this. He has I feel for that guy, right? Totally. Yeah. And so like, that's my theory. And so like they went up there and they were like, well, we're about to win. All we have to do is make the PAT. And like, wait, did anyone tell the kicker we're supposed to win? And he missed it. Um, and so, and then they got to overtime and then like, they were so mad that no one was talking to the kicker. And so they got into field goal range and he missed again. He was like, wait guys, I thought anyway, anyway, but yeah, the Panthers lost. They had that crazy, the, the hail Mary to PJ Walker to DJ Moore, And then the weird penalty where he took his helmet off and the dumbest penalty in the world, but whatever. Why, why would you do that? Well, it's like, also, why is it a penalty? What are we worried about? Like, who are we protecting? <laughs> I don't know um, why, but that def- it's definitely always something that's been around, you know, taking off your helmet is, you know, it's it's, yeah, it's a known it. rule. It's not like an right. obscure rule. It's like you're not allowed to take your helmet off on the field. Like you should know that. But still, it's like you changed the game. Like they they changed the outcome of that game with that penalty. Yeah, for sure. It's still it's stupid, but whatever. The kicker should have made the kick. But either way, so the Saints would have preferred the Panthers to win because then everyone would have been three and five, and then it would have been just like a nine game sprint to the playoffs. Instead. The Falcons are in first at four and four, and that's still not bad for the Saints. It might actually be better off because the Saints do have that first half of that tiebreaker against the Falcons and a game in hand. So, like, you can, this is the first time this season that the Saints can officially say that they quote unquote control their own destiny. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, the, the, all we keep talking about, though, is week to week, obviously, their, their goal is just go one and oh now uh, every single week. Uh, yeah. To get back 
into this kind of NFC South race, if you want to call it. But yeah, it's very much attainable. It's definitely not something that we're just hoping and wishing for. And especially if the team keeps performing like this, who knows what could happen? Yeah, and getting healthier. But, you know, one one thing that's going to be interesting. So Mark Ingram up this game with a knee injury. Right. It, it's You're in that kind of range where you don't know how severe that injury is. The trade deadline is November 1st. So that's Tuesday at 3 p.m. And so, you know, suddenly you're a team that feels like, you know, you're right there. And maybe you are in the range where if, if, a, if a veteran running back, Jeff Wilson, for instance, you know, like somebody who you're not going to have to ship out a ton of assets for and someone's just trying to unload becomes available. Yeah, maybe you dabble, right? You're not going to you're not going to go trade for any. You're not going to go trade for Kareem Hunt. Right. You're not going to go after anyone who's going to demand top of the line assets. But, you know, maybe maybe you are in that range if you're worried that Mark's injury might keep him out a while because you don't want to overload Alvin the next several weeks just because you don't have a reliable. You saw Dwayne Washington in there um, for a couple of carries today. But, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. And one thing that Alvin was asked about today was like, oh. You know, have you have you heard about all these trade rumors? And and here's what he had to say on that. Yeah, but how much, if at all, do you pay attention to stuff that's on social media as far as rumors and all that stuff? He's talking about. Do you, get specific. Yeah, about the, tra- <laughs> the trade. About the, about the trade. I'm I'm not really interested in playing anywhere else. So, I mean, with that being said, if I get if I were to get traded hypothetically, man, shoot, I'll probably be eating popcorn somewhere. <laughs> but I don't really pay attention to it too much. My friends and stuff send it to me. I'm like, man, I know this is not true. I don't want to ask you because I don't really talk about football. I don't watch football too much. So when something like that come up, it's either my mom or, like, my friends, like, Tom shit, like, my boys, they hit me and they be like, man, what's up with that? I'm like, bro, I'm not worried about none of that. And they're like, yeah, I know you're not. Just keep doing your thing. So, um, yeah, if I were to hypothetically get traded, I'd probably be eating popcorn, like, in Texas somewhere, Andy Dalton house or something. I don't know. <laughs> What does that even mean? I don't know, but that was his gift to the response to all those rumors was the Michael Jackson in the movie theater eating popcorn. So I, I guess that's where it comes from. I think that is what he's referring to. It's like he's just going to be sitting in the back eating popcorn. But like, I don't know why he's hanging out at Andy Dolan's house in Texas. Like so random. But, you know, good for no, him. It's, uh, it's, it's quite obvious. He's happy in New Orleans. He loves being a member of this Saints team. He's definitely someone that is a leader, a vocal leader of this squad and that everybody looks to. No question. There was one other funny Alvin Kamara quote, and I want to get to it here because we're going to do studs and duds, obviously, in the next segment. And here's what he had to say about, so Dennis Allen all week has been like, oh, it's another it's another day. It's another day at the office. I'm not going to give any extra, any extra noise to this. You know, I'm playing the Raiders and blah, blah, blah. And he used to coach there. Alvin says that was a, that was a lie. What you said about VA winning this game and going out and Oh yeah, he he lied. He he lied. I during the week I was for real. I was telling the truth. He didn't really say anything about it, but in the locker room he was like, "Yeah, I lied. I, this shit meant a lot to me." So, um, huh. I stick to what I said. We was gonna go out there and beat their ass, and we did that. So, there it is. Well, I, yeah, I didn't catch that part at all. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was funny because like when Alvin said that he prefaced it with like wait he used to coach the Raiders <laughs> he didn't even know <laughs> but, I mean that was like 2012 like Alvin wasn't even at Tennessee at that point why would he care like why would he be aware of that right, um, the Raiders weren't even close to being relevant right right he was over he was in Georgia and he was just like uh, I don't care what's going on in Oakland you know that, that sort of thing all right well let's let's wrap that segment up there 
Uh, you're listening to Inside Black and Gold. If you haven't yet, why not? Go hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Subscribe on YouTube at WWL Sports. And uh, yeah, do all that stuff. We're going to come back with our studs and duds, mostly studs, yeah, from this game, from the shutout, 24 nothing Saints over the Raiders. Let's get to it. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back here on Inside Black and Gold. Make sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. If you have not already given us a rating or review, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts especially, go do that. Hit the stars, however many you think we deserve. I think we're we're five star type people, but you know maybe maybe you disagree. I don't care. You know maybe maybe review too if you, if you feel like that sort of thing. But for this segment, we are going to get into. The studs and duds from this game. And then for the final segment, we're going to get into some comments, questions. But first, we're just going to kind of go through. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more studs than duds. But we have come up with two duds for this game. And so I want to start with that because I want to do a lot more talking about the good stuff than the bad stuff. So let's get the bad stuff out of the way early. And so my dud for this game, and it's a little unfair, but you know, at the same time, it's not, is Will Lutz. You can't be missing make, chip, you know, I don't know if it's a chip shot. I think it was about 40 yards, but that kick before halftime, you know, we, we don't talk about it because the Saints won 24, nothing. If the Raiders had come out and like had a pulse on offense in the second half, you know, that, that kick could have, could have, could have been big. And this is, he's missed eight. I'm sorry. He has made eight of 11 kicks from 20 to 49 yards this season. He has made three of four kicks from 50 plus so he actually has a better percentage from 50 plus than he does from inside 50 he's like a he's like a basketball player that shoots a better percentage from the three-point line than the free throw line and you know that's a problem like you like will lutz is a great kicker i love will lutz but like he can't be missing those kicks and so like to me that puts him firmly on the dud line on a day where almost everything went right that was one thing that went wrong it was definitely surprising to see him uh, I guess you would say push that one to the right. Uh, and they never had a chance. No. And you got, you got to wonder about his short term accuracy, I guess your short, short range accuracy right now, because like you mentioned, his longer range stuff has been dead on. It's just so odd. 
Yeah, I think it's like he just loses focus because it's so simple that it's not like he's not. I don't know. Like it's weird, but like it's that those kicks you have to make. Like that's the funny thing. It's like those long range kicks you're not banking on because you're like, okay, the percentage should be lower, and if you miss them, it's not the end of the world. But like those shorter kicks, like there's a reason the Saints didn't press harder to get into the end zone. Yeah, is because you know you have a guaranteed three points, and that has to be a guarantee. If it's if it doesn't feel like a guarantee, then you're back where you were last year. But like that's a problem to me. But it's not a huge problem because you know well let's will figure that out. But to use another sports analogy, it kind of it's kind of like when you have a, a closer in baseball and you bring them in in like the sixth inning and you're up by four and they just don't have that kind of like closer like pressure on them and they kind of you know, just don't look the same. Like, that's kind of how I feel about Will Lutz. Like, yeah, I w- I'm more comfortable sending him out there for like a game-winning 58-yarder than I am for like a 36-yarder right before halftime. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm I'm trying to find um, where his percentage ranks amongst the NFL kickers currently. Well, he's actually 73% heading into today. That's kind of yeah. low. No, he hasn't been bad, but he hasn't but, been like, it's... It has, hasn't been elite, right. Three of his four misses have come from inside 50 yards. And that's just like, you have to, if you're missing, it has to be the long kicks that are more difficult. Like you can't be inconsistent inside 50 yards. Like I, like Blake Gillikin could probably go out there and kick like 80% on kicks inside 30 yards. Like those are, those are the chip shots that you have to make. Um, And like it, and we're, you know, you're grasping at straws. If you're even trying to find a dud from this game, and that's really the only thing that actually went wrong. But I know you have a you have a dud that uh, that you think you think you just you needed more. You needed more from. Well, I've been calling for more touches, more touches for Rashid Shahid. The guy gets three catches today, and he ends up there's no touchdowns. Didn't what even score a that? touchdown. Come on. His, his like average yards per catch went down by like 30 yards. <laughs> but I mean, in all serious though, I mean, three catches, 38 yards on three targets. So the, the guy, the guy's really been shining for this squad. And uh, even in the kick return game, I think he added um, 15 more yards in return for, for return yards. Nothing, nothing too outlandish there, but. Yeah. He still hasn't broken anything, but it was, con- he's consistent. You know, he hasn't fumbled, right? Like, He's getting you positive yards in the return game. He did have that. He had one one catch for thirty yards. I think it was right. the first touchdown drive, and like so, yeah, that's that's good. You know, like we're, we're joking. Like he obviously still had an impact, and it was nice to see him get those additional touches after the big play. Right, that's been a big criticism. Is you know he gets that one big long play, and then he never is heard from again. So it was good. I, I think that Pete Carmichael has heard the the criticism of that. Like, like there's a lot of things that you're critical of as a fans or as media that is like just stupid. It's unreasonable, whatever. You just want to complain about something that was, that, that was merited, right? Like you have a guy who every time you throw in the ball is catching a long touchdown and running for a long touchdown. And then you just ignore him the rest of the game. Like that can't happen. So they made more of an effort to get him a couple more touches. And, you know, he had one, I think one like seven yard catch and he had one like one yard catch and you know, there were bubble screens, whatever. That's fine. You know, like that's what you want to see. And so uh, we're kidding around. He was not a dud in this game, but, you know. He's getting more involved in the offense, obviously, though. I felt like maybe he was a superhuman, and every time he yeah. touched the ball, he would go for a touchdown. And so if he touched it three times, he would score three long touchdowns, and that just wasn't the case. So, you know, that's disappointing. He just ruined his, you know, his stats for the whole entire year now. 
projections. Yeah. yeah, that measly 12 yards per catch, you know. Ugh. Okay. So let's let's go from that. And so Steve, you know, who would you pick as your first stud from this game? I think the obvious one is you know, Alvin Kamara for what he did especially after speaking out so vocally, you being so vocal with the team after that loss saying this team needed their swagger back. So you better damn sure that he's going to come out and have a big outing. And finally, you know, getting into the end zone today was so huge. And not just once, twice, three times. Always so impressed with what this guy can do. And he definitely started to look like that Alvin Kamara of old, if you could say, today. So it was his first game with three-plus touchdowns since Christmas Day against the Vikings. (laughs) That was that six-touchdown game. Um, but it, but it was another also his first touchdown was a good example of like, you know, if Taysom scored on that first down run, he still wouldn't have gotten that touchdown. And so, like, that's where the vulture thing comes in. Like, so Taysom only ran for five yards on first and goal and got to the three yard line. Right. And if he had run, run it all the way in, which he was close, you know, Alvin wouldn't have gotten the ball. But because he didn't get it in. Alvin gets a chance and he scores a touchdown. And like, so that's the, like they, he was still got a chance to vulture it. He just didn't succeed. And so, you know, that's kind of the funny thing. It's like, it's hard to be mad about Alvin not scoring touchdowns. If the reason is Taysom scores on first and goal from the eight. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the, it's, it's just great to see, obviously his elusiveness. Yeah, You want to see him involved, right? You want to see him feeling, right. feeling it. Right. Cause when Alvin eats, everybody eats. And, and just the uh, two of the touchdowns, too, on the receiving touchdowns, they were, you know, kind of question marks on if he got in or not. No. The one where he kind of was, like, backing in? Well, so they were both choice routes, um, which, was, which is an interesting kind of detail. The, that one where – so he was close, but, yeah, he clearly reached it out. Yeah. Which was just, like, such a perfect example of, like, this he's always in control. Yes. Like, he's never out of control. He knows exactly where he is. He needed an inch. He got an inch. That second one was pretty – I mean – he had to break a tackle, but he was clearly in. I don't think it was a question, but no, it was just easy, right? It just felt easy. Like once, once he kind of like, it was like a basketball player gets a ball, he, he makes a shot and then all of a sudden it's like the, the hoop feels like it's twice as big. You know, that's kind of how it felt like with him, but we've talked a lot about Alvin. So let's move on. Right. You know, so, so my stud from this game, and this isn't going to be a surprise for anyone who follows me on Twitter. Cause I've been talking about this kid nonstop. I asked Tyron Matthew about this kid in the post game. And here's what he had to set. Yeah, Tyron, you know, the last few weeks, the word swagger has come up a lot, and you see what Alante Taylor's been able to do the last two weeks as a rookie to come out with that level of confidence. Is that is that normal? Like, what do you see from him? Um, you know, I've, I've been around a few of them. Um, you know, I, I think he's one of them, for sure. Um, but, you know, I think mostly, man, it really comes down to just preparation. You know, uh, you know, he's always into it, you know, throughout the week. You know, one of the first guys on the practice field, you know, we're getting ready for practice, so you know, just always kind of working on his craft. So, you know, um, you know, I think in the beginning of the season, you know, we had a pretty deep, you know, DB room. You know what I mean? I think he he had that chip on his shoulder that, you know, he wanted to be able to help us. So, you know, his time has come around, and um, you know, I think he's really showing up for us big time. Obviously, that's Alante Taylor we're talking about. Second consecutive start. Last week, he was matched up with DeAndre Hopkins. This week, he was matched up a lot of the time with Devontae Adams. To be fair, you know, they kind of mixed and matched. Paulson Adebo was also matched up with Devontae Adams for a good portion of the day. But, you know, like, they targeted Alante Taylor in coverage. He had three passes defense. I think he allowed one catch for three yards. He had three tackles. Devontae Adams in the game. Devontae Adams. Yes, that Devontae yeah. Adams. 
He had one catch for three yards, and it was like this little screen. Yeah. He, he also had one carry for negative one. That was that, <laughs> that, that, that little end around on third down that Marcus Davenport said no. <laughs> Just kind of like caught him in midair and like suplexed him. Uh, Alante Taylor is does not look like a rookie. He has all the confidence in the world. And you talk about a team that wants to get its swagger back. You see the way he goes up there and makes tackles. Like he was putting on like a tackling clinic in this game. I think he he had at least one tackle for loss, maybe two. You know, for a team that struggled to make tackles, for a team that struggled to stop anybody, you know, I think you found a gem in that kid. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a victory lap on calling that Taysom is going to score double-digit touchdowns this season. And I'm also going to take a victory lap on that being an excellent pick in the second round, regardless of how deep you are at cornerback, because where would the Saints be right now? Where would the Saints have been the last two weeks if they had not take, made that pick, Ooh. if they didn't have Alante Taylor? Would you be starting Chris Harris on the outside in this game? Because I think this game goes a lot differently if you can isolate Devontae Adams versus Chris Harris in coverage. I'm just saying. And, you know, from talking with Alante Taylor, just the confidence he exudes, he even brings that onto the field. Uh, he's not afraid to talk trash, even though he's a rookie, was mm-hmm. definitely jawing back and forth a lot with Devontae Adams. I was pretty impressed with that. Yeah. No, I mean, like, he's confident. He, he has all the confidence in the world. And he's backing it up, right? Like, if you're a rookie and you're just talking and you're getting beat and it's like you're just trying to be the Eli Apple, right? Like, no one respects that. But, like, when you're backing it up, it's like, yeah, go ahead talk your trash, you know, because, because you, you think they have nothing to say because you're also shutting them down. Um, like I had one, one person was like, Oh, Devante just dropped it. And I was like, no, he, Alante was in his hip pocket for the entire route. Like, yeah, they, they Derek Carr made a decent throw when all, and Devante Adams was able to like do go back shoulder, but he still wasn't able to make the catch, but it wasn't like, Oh, he just dropped it. He had to try to make a spectacular catch because he had six inches of separation. And, you know, I will say like, you do have to use the caveat of like, okay, Devontae Adams probably was playing with the flu. <laughs> like he probably was not a hundred percent, but still, I don't care. You know, right. that is showing up in a big time matchup for a rookie cornerback. And that's very positive for a team that who knows how long Bradley Roby's going to be out. Who knows how long Marshawn Latimer is going to be out. You're hopefully probably getting back next week, but like it could be another week. It could be two weeks. You know, like that's, that's really confidence inspiring going forward for a team that really needs to show up on the defensive side of the ball. I love Yes Sir Fan 02 saying down there, CJG who? <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think it's interesting. Like, do so when Marshawn comes back, you know, do you do you play Alante in the slot? Do you move Paulson in, inside to the slot? I think Paulson would profile as a good slot corner. I think he has the physicality to do it. And so, like, if you are comfortable putting Alante on the outside and you can slide Paulson in there where he can just beat people up and make ta- like he can go tackle a tight end, like we've seen him do it. I think he would be a good slot corner. So that would be, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch because like Chris Harris is a good slot corner too, but he's older and you know, I'm not sure he has, has it left in the tank, but yeah. So that's definitely one of mine is Alante Taylor. Do you have any more studs you want to point out, Steve? Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to a guy I'm pretty hard on because of his injury history in uh, Peyton Turner uh, coming up with two big sacks today, being a, a force on that defensive line returning from injury. He got a lot of crap, I know, because he was dealing with a chest injury, his latest and a few that he's dealt with already since being drafted in the first round by this team last year. But, man, really good to see him show out. And, man, what a difference it makes when you have more bodies in that rotation on this D-line for the pass rush. It looks fresh. 
Yeah. And uh, I think Peyton Turner now has a sack and a half more than Marcus Davenport on the season. <laughs> uh, although in, in Marcus's defense, he did get a sack in this game and it got, it got negated by Paul Sanadibo holding yeah. penalty. So, you know, I think he's still sitting on half a sack. Yeah. He had two tackles for loss. So, and he did, yeah, he, he kind of suplexed Devonte Adams there. just had him dangling over the field. Uh, so that's, you know, that's not a sack, but it's a huge play. It stopped that drive. And that came right before the fake punt where the saints got the ball. That was right at the start of the second quarter and the saints stopped that fake punt and got the ball in Raiders territory. So that was, that was a turning point in that game. Like at that point, the game wasn't, it wasn't clear how the game was going to go. And, uh, you know, the, the Raiders going for it on fourth down at midfield and not getting it really kind of swung momentum squarely on the Saints side. Yeah, um, it was just good to see the uh, the attitude, the energy, uh, the smiles, like I said before. But uh, a, guy, a guy like Peyton Turner definitely needed a day like today after he had so many injury struggles and, and you know, not really having that impact, any impact really on this defense so far. Yeah, and that first sack, I think we talked about it already. Like he was oh. shot out of a cannon. Yeah. Like he got he got on Derek Carr fast. <laughs> like I think he was it was like an eight yard loss. Like it was he was like he got there. He got left one on one, and that's the thing when you're Peyton Turner, you're gonna get left one on one, and like you gotta just be special, and that's what he was on that play. You know, I, I want to give credit to you know he's not my stud. But uh, Kentavious Street, I thought, also had a good game. He had a he had a tackle for loss on that opening drive, and he's just he's a guy who I think has has popped. You know, throughout the season with this team kind of struggling in the interior D line, I think he has been the most consistent interior D lineman. David Onyemata also had a decent day. I think the pass rush in general had a really solid day, so they kind of get the you know overall stud. Um, but for me, the opposite side, I'm going to give the offensive line kind of a group stud because. Andy Dalton has not been sacked since week six. Wow. And like, you know, this isn't Lamar Jackson. This isn't Tyler Murray. This isn't Josh Allen. This is Andy freaking Dalton. This is like one of, you know, if you had to pick like the top five statues in the pocket, right? Like you would have like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Andy Dalton, you know, like this guy, like Mac Jones, right? Like these are guys who are not going to outrun anybody. So for, for, for him to not get sacked for two weeks means that the protection has been excellent. And so, like, you know, you give – that's a hats off to that group. Like, it's, it's hard to isolate one offensive lineman because it's a kind of a group thing. Like, so you can't really say, like, oh, you know, James Hurst had an excellent day. Ryan Ramchick had an excellent day. It's always – the group either succeeds or it fails together. And I think that offensive line has been excellent and this is a group that, you know, allowed 10 sacks over the first two weeks of the season. Like they were much maligned early in the season. And so I think them turning it around is a big part of why this offense has been much more productive the last few weeks. And uh, we talked about this on our pregame show before the Saints Raiders game. The fact that, you know, November is around the corner here and we're expecting Trevor Penning to be back soon. Saw him walking around in a walking boot and not just on a scooter, as you said uh, before, like, you know, he's, he's actually putting pressure on that. So more positive news there that this O-line is close to getting uh, one of their key pieces. I don't want to say a key piece, but they're a first round pick that you're expecting something from. Yeah, no, I agree with that. You know, like there's so many things happened that just worked in this game. Even Nick Vanette had a nice catch. <laughs> you know, Marquez Calloway had a nice first down conversion. Juwan Johnson had a couple nice catches. Chris Olave just did his thing, five catches, 52 yards. Alvin Kamara, nine catches for 96 yards. And so 
to me, you know, you gave him a dud last week. I'm going to give him an honorary, like an honorable mention stud this week. Pete Carmichael. I, I think Pete Carmichael was on fire today. Like everything worked. And again, like 24 points, they only scored 24 points. It should have been more, but they were, but like when you're shutting a team out, you have so much, like you're just really running clock. And they basically churned the entire fourth quarter, like on one long drive that didn't end up scoring because they went for it on fourth down deep in the Raiders territory. I mean, that was like a six, it was a 15 play drive. They burned nine minutes and 15 seconds, went 61 yards and and turned it over on downs. That was great. Almost the entire fourth quarter. And it was like, that's all you were trying to do was like one of the best parts about that game was it was one of the fastest games I've, I've watched in a long time. Like it was over like 25 minutes before the, the, uh, the afternoon game started, which was great because I wanted to watch them. And so like that, that drive was fantastic. You just kept churning and churning and churning. And like in a game like this, it's just like convenience in a game where it's close, you know, and you probably kicked that field goal at the end of it. That is a huge closeout drive. So like, you know, I, I, you know, we give, we give Pete Carmichael a lot of grief. He was able to get Taysom Hill involved. He was able to get Rashid Shahid involved. He was able to get Alvin Kamara involved. Nine catches for 96 yards and two touchdowns, right? Everyone ate. You know, and there was no one on this team where you were like, oh, well, you, you should have got him more, right? Even Dwayne Washington got four carries. Right. Taysom Hill had 10 carries for 61 yards. Like everything that you want to see in this offense was there. And, you know, for a team that's, that made a, a, a tough decision and went with Andy Dalton and was like, finally, you know, we're going with this. That's good. Like if, whether you agree with the decision or not, the offense was clicking and that's what you want to continue. And so that's, you know, I give him all the credit for that. No. And maybe there's something to that too. Like going with that decision of Andy's your guy. It definitely looked like the, the offense hasn't been bad. Obviously uh, they've been putting up points and all, but everything just was so much more cohesive, smoother today. Uh, they seem to do what they wanted to at will against this Raiders defense. Yeah, no, it looked like a team with an identity, right? right. Like, whether you like the identity, whatever, it was a team that looked like it knew what it wanted to do and it executed, and that's what you want to see continue. So give Pete Carmichael that honorable mention, uh, Stud. Anyone else you want to throw in there before we move on? You mentioned uh, Olave briefly. I think he just continues to add to his rookie campaign, rookie of the year campaign numbers. Yeah, I I tweet this at least once a game, and it's just like Chris Olave is always open. I don't know how it's true, but it's true. He is always open. It's just a matter of how many times you throw in the ball. It's it's remarkable. Definitely a, uh, you know, everyone was kind of critical, I guess you would say there, for giving up so much to move up to get a guy like that. But this is definitely your number one stud for the years to come on this offense. And he's kind of getting all this attention right now without guys like Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry around, which to me is even more impressive, obviously. Right. That's the remarkable part is it's like in the first couple of weeks, you can be like, Oh, well, they're focusing on Jarvis. They're focusing on, focusing on Mike. No, he is the guy now. And, and he is still just wide open all the time. So the, the next gen stats, Nick Vanette actually had average four yards of separation in this game. No, they were not paying attention to him whatsoever. Rashid Shahid, 6.2 yards. Like he just gets open too. Like he, he's hard. He's hard to cover. Chris Olave, 2.21. Taysom Hill, figure this one out. He had an average zero yards of separation. Wow. I don't know how that's possible. Like he was just getting hugged. Right, he's way down the field. Taysom. Like he was like, it, actually, it makes sense because. Every time he has the ball in his hand, someone is like literally getting dragged. 
Um, but yeah, but I mean, yeah, Chris Olave, it's wild. He's just always open <laughs> in, in instances where it's like, they should be keying on him. Like he's just that good of a route runner that he's able to create that separation. So like, you kind of look at it. And it's like, man, this offense really looks good right now. And if you can get Mike Thomas back, if you can get Jarvis Landry back, right. And you can't focus all of your attention on Olave. Like this offense has a chance to be special. I think I mean, it's just a matter of like, you got to put yourself in position, but no, I mean, there's so many, there's so many things to like about this game. I think it was like the Saints were very much playing a game plan that was like, okay, if you want to try to beat us with Matt Collins and Foster Morrow, go for go it. For it. Yes. <laughs> and they tried. It didn't offer. But yeah. No, and um, I actually, in one of my fantasy leagues, I went and put Hunter Renfro in thinking he was going to do something for me. And yeah, the only thing he did was be the target on that interception, which P. Werner gets credit for that tip and Tyron Matthews. You know, it's funny. We talked about this. Right. We talked about how like we watch all these games and there haven't even been like close interceptions, like balls that got tipped and fell harmlessly to the turf. Like that was one of the first ones we saw this year where it was like, like that's how interceptions happen. Tips and overthrows. Tyron Matthew talks about this all the time. Tips and overthrows. And we just haven't seen any tips or overthrows. So, you know, maybe it's a sign of like the tide turning of like just luck. Yes, I Uh, love it. I love it. And the tide are coming soon to Baton Rouge. So, I see what you did there. All right, let's cut that off there. This is Inside Black and Gold. We're going to come back around and answer some viewer questions that have been pouring in throughout the course of this. Uh, Stick around for that. Welcome back into the last segment of Inside Black and Gold brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must a reason. Uh, Jeff, getting into our mailbag section now, part of the show. Now there's got to be a lot of hopefully positive who that black and gold questions coming at us. Yeah, there's some questions in here. And I mean, so time on my side says the only trades we need is on defense. I don't see a need for a back. Just use Taysom a tad bit more. You know, that's fair. But I do think that like you're, you're not really using Taysom Hill as a running back. You're you, you need a running back to be able to like, you know, for instance, like, short yardage carries where it's like second and one and you just want to plow ahead and get that first down. It doesn't really matter who it is. You just need a body there who's going to be able to fall forward. And that's why I think the saints still kind of kicked themselves that they weren't able to keep Latavius Murray around because he's like, he was the perfect candidate to do that. And so it's like, if Mark is not available to do that, because I think Mark has been solid there as well. You might need a body, right? And Dwayne Washington might be that guy, but I think you do kick the tires somewhere. Either way, I agree with you. I don't think you need to make trades on defense, though. I think your defense is fine. You just need to get the guys back. You need to get Marshawn back, right? You need to make sure that your defensive line rotation is healthy. But yeah, I, I don't think they're going to be very active on trade deadline day. But knowing that Mark has an injury and you're going to see what, you know, you're going to get more information about that tomorrow. It's a knee injury. So you kind of, you know, you have to wonder. And uh, if it is more significant, it's going to keep him out a couple weeks. Maybe that's all I'm saying. But I agree with you. I don't think they're going to be that active. Yeah, and I don't even know, honestly, if this team happened to lose to the Raiders, would they consider themselves sellers? I don't I don't think the Saints looked at themselves at all that way. No, they don't. And that's a Mickey Loomis thing. But right. if they lost bad enough, like if they lost in a way that was like, man, we just can't. Like, because this Raiders team isn't good. And so, yes, our fan here, did the Saints get their groove back or are the Raiders a really bad team? You know, I think it's, it's a, little a little bit of both. both. Yeah. Right? I like, I, I, I mean... I think the Raiders are not a great football team, right? They're two and five. The Saints were two and five too. You know, th- there's a reasons for that. But this was a good offense. I don't think their defense was anything special. But this offense had been putting up points and it had been moving the ball. 
And for a team like the Saints, who had been struggling to stop anyone with a pulse, this is a positive thing. And so whether whether it's an example of the Saints dominating a bad team or not, the fact is this Saints team hadn't been able to dominate anybody, whether they were good or bad. So it's confidence building and you start to gain a kind of identity of who you are. And so in that respect, yes, right? They, they, did, they did beat a bad team, but they also did it in a way that makes you feel good about the team that you're watching. Yeah, absolutely. You had a, a running back who was really hot coming in in uh, Jacobs, and then you had a threat in Devontae Adams where you had been giving up these chunk plays and you didn't have your top corner around. So, yeah, there was, there was that scare there, and they did a, a great job of just neutralizing everything. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, again, we, we talked about this earlier. The, the Raiders, the, the Saints didn't just beat the Raiders. This wasn't a situation where it's like, oh, yeah, they they beat them. The Raiders turned the ball over in the red zone. They didn't execute. They kicked field goals instead of getting touchdowns. They literally did not get past midfield. Whoop that ass. Until like two minutes left in the game with Jarrett Stidham, uh, you know, chucking it all around the yard. Like, <laughs> yeah. like Derek Carr, the Derek Carr-led Raiders offense did not get to the Saints side of the field. That is not like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, sure, you beat a bad team. You also just thoroughly dominated that bad team. And so if you can do that, you're going to make the playoffs because, like, you're going to be favored. And there's going to be a several matchups later in the season where it's like, yeah, you just got to go win this game, right? And the Saints weren't able to do that against the Falcons. They weren't able to do that against the Panthers. I think, like, the Vikings are 5-1. and I don't think they're that good, right? And you still couldn't, you couldn't shut them down at all. So, like, if all you do is beat the teams you're supposed to beat, you're probably a playoff team. And so if this Saints team only is able to do that the rest of the way, you're feeling better about it. And what's crazy, while they, I don't feel like they were supposed to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, and obviously they didn't, they did everything I thought right in that game to win it. Except they didn't play defense the way that they needed to. Right, exactly. Like the offense, you know, and you kind of, you. what I was wondering was, okay, is this offense a mirage, right? Like the points you put up against the Cardinals, would you have put up those points if the offense hadn't already surrendered two pick sixes and you were in a 20 point hole, right? They're always going to sure. get a little bit more going in garbage time. But I think what you saw today is like, no, I think this offense really does have the ability to make life really miserable on teams. And it's just a matter of whether the saints can kind of make sure that works in their favor. Totally agree with that. I mean, when you look at the numbers that this offense is putting up, I, I wouldn't have guessed it, honestly. And yeah, my dud for last week, P Carmichael probably didn't deserve it. Well, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I, th- I think you were overreacting a little bit, but to be fair, not only, like the Rashid Shahid thing, right? Like you got three touches today. You force fed him two more touches after a big play. Yeah. He, that's something you have to make sure you try to do is incorporate your, your playmakers. And he hadn't, he did today. Like Taysom Hill touched the ball 12 times, right? That's the number you, you want to get between eight and 15. I think he did. Robert Tillman is, puts it really well today. Like this was such a total turnaround from what we've been seeing that it's hard to contextualize it moving forward. Like it really was like you literally had allowed the most total points in the NFL as a defense. Like, and that includes four, four touchdowns allowed by the offense to be fair, but like, that's a, what, whether the Raiders are a bad team or not, which their offense had not been bad to hold them off the scoreboard is such a, such a drastic turnaround that it's like when you look at a team that's like suddenly had this kind of come to Jesus moment in the locker room, you kind of have to wonder if that did make a, make a big difference. And I think, it, yeah, the, this Raiders team was favored coming into the Superdome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Vegas thought I liked them. Louise right. Lockett says Lutz is a dud. Ain't nobody safe from Jeff. You're right. If you play like, 
<laughs> no, yeah. no. I mean, yeah, you miss you miss a you miss a kick like that when you're a star player and you're supposed to be this rock steady kicker. Then yeah, you're a dud in my book, and I I'm giving you the stamp. Plus, it was so hard to find the dud this game that I mean, right? I was what, desperate. I had to pick somebody. It's called right, studs I, and dud, not studs and studs and studs. I, I couldn't I couldn't even think of one honestly. We had to make up one for Rashid Shahid. Like we literally were like. Can you think of another one? And and we were like, like, okay, we'll go with that because that was the only thing we could think of. Like the only person on this team that I could think of that made a bad play today was Lutz. And so he got we, it. we also kind of batted around Blake Gillikin just because his punting hasn't really been up to par. His season has been a dud. But he didn't really make sense today because he didn't have any bad punts today. But like he hasn't, I don't remember a punt this season where I was like, wow, that changed the game. Like you pin someone at their own five. Like if you go back to Washington last year, I think it was week six, week eight, week five. I don't know. The game in Washington, he pinned them three times inside their own five yard line. Like twice that resulted directly in Saints points. Like those are the type of plays that you would hope for from, from your star punter. And you haven't seen those. He's made more bad punts like the Bengals punt that I, you know, you could argue completely lost in that game. Like he's had more of those than he has had punts that like flipped the field or, you know, set up the other team inside their own 10. So, yeah, but we didn't include him because he actually didn't have a bad day. B Slaughter, the commissioner. I knew Saints could win when I heard Darren Waller wasn't playing. They gave the Saints linebackers a day off. That is fair. This, the Raiders did not have Darren Waller. They had Devontae Adams recovering from the flu, you know, like I think that may have played a role, you know, maybe he was a step slow, but you know, again, like we said, the saints defense couldn't stop anybody. So uh, I'll take what I what you can get. It'll be interesting to see too. It's like so many of these Raiders players, they had a bout of the flu going through that team. So are we to assume that that doesn't have any effect on this Saints squad as it just, it was just wild to think the past two seasons of how COVID was handled with everything. I just, it's lunacy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be funny if like half the Saints roster has the flu next week. <laughs> That's what I'm and saying. Then, right. And then I get it. And then you get it. And then, yeah. And then we're like, Oh, I guess, uh, yeah, yeah, that's weird. It's like, it's almost like that's how the world works. Um, but yeah, time on my side says he's a fan. He, he subscribes. So that's nice. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank on my you side. time on my side. <laughs> Is that, your, is that your real name? A couple more questions and then we'll get going. Been on for a while. You're not living at the Superdome today. No, no. I wanted to go watch the end of the Giants game and they lost. So I just need to stop watching Giants games. Mark Lagrange, Milk Duds, play of the game equals Lutz. That's it. I'm not sure I get that one. Am I missing something? I don't know. I think it's rhymes and it's a dud. Milk Duds? Oh, Milk, milk Duds, play of the game. I got you. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't getting it. I was like, huh? We should see if we can get Milk Duds to sponsor that segment. Caramel and Chewy. Every time we pick a dud, we eat one. And we can't talk for like five minutes. I also don't like milk duds. So that's, no? That's, yeah, it's like the, it's like a bottom five Halloween candy. Yeah, I'm I'm not like a candy corn hater, but I'm I'm not a fan of it either. But I think it's so funny the the slander that goes around with candy corn every year and people either overreacting to it either way. Yeah, I mean it's just it's just garbage, you know, just chewy garbage. <laughs> But I mean, that's all Halloween is. It's about eating chewy garbage. Yeah. And, about, right. and then the cops tell you that you should check your kids for their weed candy, but it's, you know, just in case, so you can have it instead. And yeah, exactly. That's that, that's <laughs> another thing. Yeah, that's hilarious to me. Is every year. Yeah, people, people giving their drugs just out to children. In case these in case these people are are being real nice and giving your kids all their <laughs> weed. <laughs> Maybe they're trying to get them hooked, man. 
That's the dumbest thing every year. It's so funny because I've worked in news for a long time. This is so off topic, but like every year you see like news outlets fall for these like PSAs. People aren't giving your kids their expensive weed candy. Like they they bought it for themselves. If they gave it to them, it's by accident. You should return it. (laughs) Right. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys, you gave us the wrong candy. (laughs) Do you know how much this one gummy cost me? Oh, it's just so funny. It's like it's like it's like in the playbook. Anyway, this that's this is not that podcast, but <laughs> it's Halloween, man. We can end this. Do you see any good costumes out there today? Um, nothing that really I felt like stood out to me. Just a lot of uh, a lot of skeletons, which I had a skeleton shirt on, so I felt like I was part of a gang. But just um, your your standard, I would say, Saints crowd. Honestly, it wasn't anything really that stood out to me about any specific costume, though. Yeah, maybe maybe next year. I'm always looking for the scantily clad. <laughs> I don't know. I should not bring that up on like you can't you can't talk about that on like live on air. You can talk about that on a podcast. <laughs> but like that's a weird thing to talk about on the air, Steve. I need you to understand that. <laughs> that's the, like the best part of Halloween, though, is girls feel like they can just wear next to nothing and it's a costume. Uh... <laughs> All right, I'll let you have it. Lingerie turns into a Halloween outfit. Yes, if you're a cat, you're a sexy cat. Yes, everything's sexy this. I'm a sexy Saints fan. See, I'm not the only one who makes fun of you for freezing all the time. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to have to find a new uh, a, a Google Nest boost in here somehow. Yeah. Well, it's funny because my Wi-Fi is terrible, but for some reason you, yours is just like, you know, cricket. There's right. one more from Mark Lagrange. Dalton right. looks reliably above average. Taysom blend good. I don't know what that means. Need to keep them guessing with pass or two per game. So yeah, like I think he's doing like the Taysom like offensive structure of like what you're doing. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with that. Like Andy Dalton is not going to go out there and and bring you back from three scores down in the second half, right? But he is a guy who can go out there and trust to run the offense and do what you want him to do and not make any dumb mistakes and. You know, I, I like, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, Jason, Jameis Winston, Jason Winston, Jameis Winston couldn't do the same things. But if it's working, there's no reason to change. And I think that's where, if you're Dennis Allen and you're trying to make, you were trying to make that decision, it's like, why would you add a variable when you don't have to? And you're averaging 30 points a game and you're feeling good about your offense. And it's just like getting your defense to work, right? Like we didn't see anything different on offense this week. We just saw a defense that held up its end and suddenly you won a game easily. Right. And so if you're questioning a lot of the stuff Dennis Allen is doing, I think he was right on in that assessment of like, we don't need to change things with the offense. We need to fix the defense and then everything will fall into place and you have found a winning formula. And I think that's what you have. I, I I don't think you need to see a ton of Taysom Hill throws. I really don't because teams aren't being able to stop it. Though, like they had nothing for Taysom Hill in the run game. Like he he completed one pass for three yards. He caught a pass for eleven yards. I think the way he's being incorporated is perfect. And I think you just need to keep doing it. Hopefully, you know I, I don't know how they're going to be able to handle Lamar next week. You know, so I think they might take a step back as a defense dealing with that kind of the 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 running aspect because that's not something you had to deal with this week. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's a bridge you cross at that point. I'm just gonna enjoy these positive vibes while I can. Yeah, and, and talking about positive vibes, I got to say this about Jameis: he's a hell of a teammate because he was been he's been nothing yeah, but a that. great cheerleader on the sideline. Yeah. Uh, such a positive presence there. And it really stood out to me in the fact that, wow, this guy could be pouting on the bench right now. And that's not the case at all. 
not even you would never know you you would have no idea that he is has been passed over for a job and you know like you give him all the credit in the world like that's not easy to do like no right even like i have rbf at the best of times right like uh (laughs) and and, like you would never have known for an instant that he just that he essentially just got benched right and he's standing outside the door giving everyone high fives and they're way into the back of the locker room like he is doing everything that you could ask him to do and so like yeah, I mean, you give him all the credit. I give him all the credit in the world for that. Absolutely. That's why I said kudos to him as just a teammate and just being a positive influence. No doubt. That is a wrap for another edition of Inside Black and Gold. I'm Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak, brought to you by the Lamarck Automotive Complex. There must be a reason. There must be. Somewhere. Hopefully that reason, we'll be talking, we'll be talking more about it, obviously, through the week, but... You know, we're going to be like Alvin Kamara, too, now. It's like, all right, they, they had their swag on for this one game. Now what's next? Because you got a t- much tougher opponent in the Baltimore Ravens coming into this Superdome. And it'd be nice to build a little momentum for the season at home, just in general, as you're trying to uh, keep these positive vibes going and this momentum going that hopefully uh, maybe Alvin Kamara can speak out again and against his team this week in the locker room. Swag ain't shit if it's not consistent, Steve. Exactly. That's what Alvin says. So swag it out every day, all day. Yes, swag it up. All right, y'all. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Hit me up on Twitter, at Jeff underscore Nowak. Send Steve a tweet at Steve Geller WWL. He doesn't freeze on Twitter nearly as much as he does on this podcast. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. Peace.